Scripture reading this morning comes from Joshua 23. We're almost at the end of the book of Joshua. A few more chapters to go. But this morning we're going to look at Joshua chapter 23, beginning in verse 1. A long time afterward, when the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their surrounding enemies, and Joshua was old and well advanced in years, Joshua summoned all Israel, its elders and heads, its judges and officers, and said to them, I am now old and well advanced in years, and you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. For it is the Lord your God who has fought for you. Behold, I have allotted to you as an inheritance for your tribes those nations that remain, along with all the nations that I have already cut off from the Jordan to the great sea in the west. The Lord your God will push them back before you and drive them out of your sight, and you shall possess their land, just as the Lord your God promised you. Therefore, be very strong to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from it neither to the right hand nor to the left, that you may not mix with these nations remaining among you or make mention of the names of their gods or swear by them or serve them or bow down to them. But you shall cling to the Lord your God just as you have done to this day. For the Lord has driven out before you great and strong nations. And as for you, no man has been able to stand before you to this day. One man of you puts, a, puts to flight a thousand since it is the Lord your God who fights for you, just as He promised you. Be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. For if you turn back and cling to the remnant of these nations remaining among you and make marriages with them, so that you associate with them and they with you, know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you, but they shall be a snare and a trap for you a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from off this good ground that the Lord your God has given you. And now I'm about to go the way of all the earth. And you know in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed. But just as all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you have been fulfilled for you, so the Lord will bring upon you all the evil things until He has destroyed you from off this good land that the Lord your God has given you, if you transgress the covenant of the Lord your God, which He commanded you, and go and serve other gods and bow down to them. Then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you, and you shall perish quickly from off the good land that He has given to you. And God bless the reading of His Word. You know, at this point in Joshua's life, 25 years had passed since he led the conquest of the land of Canaan. And so Joshua is nearing the end of his life, and in one last act of leadership, he gathers together the leaders of Israel. And he charged them to consider that God has given them rest. He's given them rest with himself. He's given them rest from his enemies. And his concern with, with the issue now is how do they continue in this rest? Joshua wants to make sure they're able to continue 
in this rest that God has given them. And so he lays out this charge. Now, when you think about rest, this idea of rest, I would imagine that positive thoughts come to mind, right? You may be thinking even now, I need some rest. Think about all the teachers and students, you know, that have been wrapping up exams. Uh, Teachers still have a little ways to go here in Richmond County, finish up things, maybe pack up their classroom. And they're thinking, yeah, I can't wait just to go home and rest, right? I know my kids were ready to rest after the exams. I was ready to rest after the exams, too. I mean, rest is a wonderful thing. But uh, you look through the Scripture, and in the Bible, rest is, is all throughout the Scripture. And in the Scriptures, rest represents more than just, you know, getting some sleep or not having a deadline to meet or having a day that nothing's planned. I mean, rest is a little more significant than that. Rest is synonymous with peace. Rest is, uh, carries with it this, this idea that it's, you know, life is being experienced the way it ought to be experienced. People in right relationship with God, people in right relationship with each other, there's rest. <clears throat> and the rest that the Israelites were experiencing in Joshua 23, and the rest that we experience even today as God's people in Christ, follow this two-stage process. If we're going to experience the rest of God, then we need to pay attention to this, this two-stage process that, that we must uh, go through in order to experience the rest of God, the peace of God. And so the first stage that enabled the people of Israel in Joshua 23 to experience rest was the fact that God had chosen them to be His people. And they had responded in faith. And this began back in Genesis 12 specifically, specifically when God called out this man named Abram and made him a promise. And then it kind of culminated in Exodus 20 when God gave the Ten Commandments and, and that brought the people into covenant with Himself. And we usually refer to that as the Mosaic Covenant. And you have this nation, this nation of Israel, synonymous with being God's people. And so this is a story of God making for Himself a people. It's all throughout the Old Testament and continues into the New Testament even until today. And so this first stage of rest is this idea of entering into a right standing with God. You will not experience the rest of God unless you are right with God. And so in order to do that, we must enter into this relationship with God. We must become part of His people. Whether you were an Israelite in Joshua's day or whether you are sitting here today, we must be a part of God's people. We must be in right relationship with Him if we're going to experience His rest, His peace. And the way we do that is we have to come to God the way that He has given us to come to Him. This was true of them then. This is true of us now. We have to go to God, not how we want, but rather how He has given us this pathway. If He's given us a pathway to come to Him, that's the way that we need to approach Him. Now for Joshua and the Israelites in the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, the way they would approach God is through the sacrificial system. And they would offer these sacrifices by faith, believing that God would ultimately deal with their sin. And the way we come to God is we don't offer sacrifices because we place our faith in the one who made the ultimate sacrifice. The once for all sacrifice. God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sin. 
which enables us to be in right relationship with God. It enables us to be in right standing with God. And so whether you were a member of the Israelite nation in Joshua 23, or whether you are sitting in the pew today, we all come to God the same way. Believing that God has dealt with our sin and we must approach Him by faith, accepting His gift of forgiveness through this sacrifice. For them, it was through the method that God gave them to demonstrate their faith, this sacrificial system. And for us, it is through faith in Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus describes this rest, being in right standing with God, being in a relationship with God. He describes the rest that he gives this way in Matthew eleven twenty eight. He says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And so this rest comes with being in right standing with God. So rest comes from trading the heavy burden of sin and striving for the forgiveness and the life that's eternal that Christ gives to us. It's trading the burden of sin for the forgiveness of Christ. So Jesus says, Come to me all who, are, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He will give us what we need. He will give us the rest of God. And so rest comes from knowing that God loves us so much that He gave His only Son for us. And that through His Son we can receive forgiveness. We can be brought into a right relationship with God by His grace, His provision. And we are then given access to the rest of God, the peace of God. And this peace is available to us both now and forever. The writer of Hebrews puts it this way in chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. He says, So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works, as God did from his so he talks about this eternal rest, this Sabbath rest that God gives those who are forgiven in Christ. Now here's the issue. If you've placed your faith in Christ, I've placed my faith in Christ. I've been made right with God because of what Christ has done for me. Not because of what I've done. Solely based on what Christ has done. I've benefited from that. I am in a relationship with God. I am counted among the people of God. God has made His rest accessible to me. His peace is accessible to me all the time for eternity. But here's the issue. I don't always experience that rest. And I don't always experience that peace. And maybe you're like me. I'm not always walking in that. I'm not always experiencing that. If anything, I find myself stepping in and out of it. And maybe you find yourself doing that as well. It's not that it's taken away from me. In other words, it's not accessible anymore. It's accessible. I just don't experience it because I step in and out of it. And there's a reason why I step in and out of it. There's a reason why uh, the, the Israelites stepped in and out of it. And they didn't experience the rest that God offers and makes available to them. And there's a reason why we don't experience that rest as well. And this is where the second stage in this process of experiencing God's rest. And that's the key. His, his rest is made available to us in Christ through the, through the way that He has given to us to approach Him. And so when we enter a relationship with God, His rest is made available to us all the time for eternity because we're in a right standing with Him. However, we don't always experience it. And this is where the second stage 
comes into this process. And this is really where Joshua, this is what Joshua is really emphasizing in his charge to the people of Israel in Joshua 23. Because he already knew they were counted among the people of God. But they could step in and out of the rest of God in, in, in their experience of that rest. And so, we see the people of Israel. You know, God called them out of slavery. He made them His people. He gave them the land of Canaan. But if the people wanted to continue to experience that rest that they had there in Canaan, to experience that peace, Joshua tells them that they must continue to cling, that's the word he uses, cling to the one who is the source of that rest, God Himself. Look with me at Joshua 23, beginning in verse 6. Joshua tells the people, Therefore, be very strong to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from it neither to the right hand nor to the left, that you may not mix with these nations remaining among you, or make mention of the names of their gods, or swear by them, or serve them, or bow down to them, but you shall cling to the Lord your God, just as you have done to this day. So Joshua is telling the people that if they want to continue to experience the rest that they have access to through their relationship with God, that they need to continue to cling to God. And this word cling, this verb cling, to cling, is the same verb that is used to describe the bond of a husband and wife. That they cling together and become one flesh, like it talks about in Genesis 2. There's a coming together, a commitment, a relationship. They cling to one another. And so God is the one who provides, he provides rest for our souls because it's in Him that we know who we are, we receive forgiveness, we receive our eternal life, and we're able to experience life the way He wants us to experience it. So, so as we cling to Him, as we stay faithful to Him and following His ways, we experience rest, we experience peace. But notice what Joshua says beginning in verse 11. He says, Be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. For if you turn back and cling, there's that word again, cling to the remnant of these nations remaining among you, and make marriages with them so that you associate with them and they with you, know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you, but they shall be a snare and a trap for you, a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes, until you perish from off this good ground that the Lord your God has given you. So in short, he basically is telling them that if they turn back and cling to those who follow other gods, then they will be inviting unrest into their lives. They will not experience the rest that God offers and makes accessible to them. But they will be inviting unrest into their lives. Just think about this. Okay, if God is the source of rest, and He gives His people a way to experience that rest, and they try to find that rest elsewhere, I mean, what do you think the result's going to be? Unrest. You're not going to experience the rest of God if you try to find rest apart from God. And that's what Joshua is telling the people of God. 
You know, if you try to go some other path to find rest other than the path that God has given you, you will be inviting unrest into your life. Think of it like this. Imagine a married couple. And the wife wants to go, on, go out on a date uh, for dinner and conversation. But instead of asking her husband to take her out on a date, she decides to call up some of her former boyfriends and asks them if one of them would take me out you know, and for dinner and conversation. Now, how do you think that's going to impact her marriage? It's probably not good. You think it's going to bring rest and peace? Or do you think it's going to bring unrest? Hey, there's nothing wrong with wanting to go out for dinner and conversation. But if you're married, here's a hint. Don't call former boyfriends and girlfriends to to accomplish that task, right? You're going the wrong path to experience what God wants you to experience with your spouse. And so think of it like this. You imagine God is the husband and his people are his bride. And his people want rest. We want rest. I mean, I would, I'm sure if we polled the, the group here today and said, okay, would you rather have rest in peace or unrest? Check which one you want. I would imagine all of us would say, you know what? I want rest in peace. But here's the thing. If we are God's people and God is the source of rest, but we decide, you know what? Instead of going after God's rest that's available to us through knowing Him and obeying His Word, instead of seeking that path of rest, I'm going to call up my former life and go after rest other ways, whether it's worshiping other gods, pursuing other paths that are not lined out in our, you know, given in God's Word, uh, but going contrary to God's Word. I'm going to go and try to find rest elsewhere. How do you think that's going to impact our relationship with God? You know, is it going to bring rest or is it going to bring unrest so Joshua is telling the people, you know, that rest, peace can only be found in a relationship with God. Rest can only be experienced in this life now by living life according to God's ways. And so this is the two-stage process of experiencing rest now. First, you must have a relationship with God. That's what makes the rest and the peace accessible. Then you can experience the rest that He offers by walking according to His ways, living life according to God's Word. Jesus said it this way. Right after that verse I told you earlier, He says, If you're heavy laden, if you're burdened, come to Me, I will give you rest. And then He says this in verse 29 of Matthew 11. Take My yoke upon you and learn from Me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. See, the yoke was a familiar symbol in the first century. You know, to plow a field, you would yoke animals together, you would connect them together, and then they would pull the plow, and you would have rows in order to plant your crops. But the yoke was an instrument of submission and service. It was an instrument of submission and service. And Jesus tells us that if we take His yoke upon us, then we will find rest for our souls. So if you and I are willing to submit to Jesus and follow His direction, 
then we will experience rest. We will experience the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. But if we try to find rest by calling up our old ways of life, then we will be inviting unrest into our lives. This was true of the Israelites in Joshua 23, and this is true of the Hill Baptist Church in Augusta. So in closing, I want to ask you two questions. First, do you have a relationship with God? Because if you don't, His rest is not available to you. It's not accessible. I mean, you must first be in right standing with Him in order to experience His rest. So have you come to know God the way He has provided for you to come to know Him? And that is through faith in Jesus Christ. It's not based on what you do. It's based on what Christ has done. Jesus said it this way in John 14, 6. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So simply put, there is no eternal rest apart from Christ. You know, Augustine famously once wrote, Because you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. The rest of God only comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. So do you have a relationship with God? If not, there's a card in front of you in your pew, and there's a prayer in there that may help you articulate your desire to enter a relationship with God. And I want to encourage you if, you, if you don't know Christ, if you never placed your faith in Christ, or you find yourself that you've, you know, you've been thinking that you're made right with God because you're such a good person, or that you're doing good things, you are mistaken. The only way to know God is through faith in Christ and Christ alone. And so there's a card there and how to take your next step. And it lays out a prayer that may help you articulate that desire to know Christ. So if you've never made that decision, I encourage you to make that decision and tell somebody about it. Because if you want to experience the rest of God, the peace of God, you must first have a relationship with God. Now the second question I want to ask you is this. Are you living your life God's way? You know, are you seeking to be the spouse that God wants you to be? Are you seeking to be the parent or the child that God wants you to be? Are you seeking to be the employer or the employee or the student that God wants you to be? Are you seeking to be the church member that God wants you to be? You know, listen, you will not experience the rest of God, the peace of God, if you are deliberately disobeying God in an area of your life, you're just not going to experience it. You're not going to experience the peace of God or the rest of God if you are deliberately sinning against God in an area of your life. Now, does God still love you? Yes. Are you still His child? Yes. Will you experience His rest? No. Not until you confess your sin, turn to Him, and walk in His ways. That is the way that we experience the rest and the peace of God that He has made uh, available to us in Christ. God's rest is experienced through faith-filled obedience. And so I want you to think about your life. 
Are you experiencing unrest? Are you experiencing a lack of peace? And then I want you to look at your life. And I want you to see, is there any area of your life that you're trying to find your rest or your peace apart from God? Is there any area that you're trying to find your rest, your peace, your satisfaction apart from God and His ways? And once you locate it, I want you to take Paul's advice that is found in Philippians 4.6. And this is what he says in Philippians 4.6. He says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And listen to verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So when you become aware of that area of your life that you have not been uh, following the Lord in this area, whatever it may be, I want to encourage you to take it to God in prayer. Take that area of your life to God in prayer. Confess your sin. And ask God to help you to begin to follow Him in this area of your life. And as you do, you will begin to experience the peace of God. The rest of God. Let us pray. Father, thank You for the rest, the peace that You offer us, that You make available to us in Christ. And Lord, we we confess that we uh, tend to step in and out of that. Uh, We become anxious. We invite unrest into our lives by sinning against You. And Lord, we just want to take this opportunity right now to say we're sorry. That we want to follow You. We want to cling to You. We want to love You. Because you've loved us. As we consider the sacrifice of Jesus and what he's given us, we are so thankful. And Lord, help that gratitude become our motivation for following you. To turning over every area of our lives to you. And Lord, thank you for the rest and the peace that you offer to your people. As they seek your ways. I pray for each person here this morning. That you would guide them into truth. Help them to take a good look at their lives. Show them any area of their lives by the power of your Spirit that, you, that they may not be submitting to you. Because Jesus tells us that His yoke is easy, His burden is light. There is rest to be found in faith-filled obedience. And may we all seek that rest as we seek to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.